Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Lindsey? Not too bad. Tuesdays are my least favorite day of the week. Uh, not because we do the podcast. They just are. <laughs> <laughs> but today's going okay. All right. Yeah, I feel like everybody has that one day of the week where they're like, this is my least favorite day. Tuesday's mine because Mondays are always just busy. I guess Tuesday. Anything. I don't know. Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, all not great days. Okay. I guess we all we all have I guess that. you get football Thursday, but it's, it hasn't been a good product lately. No, there's been bad football throughout the week. And I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I love the NFL, but you won't catch me watching four quarters of the Thursday night games or the Monday night football game. The only reason I watched it this past Monday was for the main cast of Joe Burrow, and we have to talk about it. Did you watch it? Yeah. I have a couple problems. <clears throat> Number one, the main cast is worth a lot of money. And I know they have producers, so I'm not throwing the producers under the bus. But I feel like they could have asked different questions. All that stuff we've heard, the nickname stuff, please throw that out the window if you're interviewing Joe Burrow. It's not relevant anymore. Of course, he has all the nicknames, but that's kind of like last season question. The viral wisdom tooth girl who was hilarious last week. But we kind of moved on. And I just felt like you have Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, two quarterbacks. Let's talk quarterback stuff. Would you they, know? they actually brought that up. Uh, the quarterback play was bad. So that's, I think, part of the reason they didn't really talk. I know at one point Peyton said, hopefully we get a good, uh, a couple good plays here so we could all break it down. <laughs> Something like that. And I was like, oh, man. you can break down the bad ones. But I, I just think that players, former players, they don't want to rag on these guys you know like say like he made a big mistake here or you know he's just playing terribly or something like that I don't even think they needed to talk about the game because the game wasn't really good I think you could have just talked in general about just offense Joe Burrow and, and I know they kind of went to a couple plays and talked about a you know a few things with Joe I just I don't know I just, I felt like it's poorly managed because they all talk over each other and it's awkward how they go to breaks because I know obviously they're probably not going to the breaks on time. 
But I, this is just personal watching it. I'm like, I don't know. I, I wasn't really that impressed with how it all went. But it's not I don't think the Joe Burrow interview went perfect. I think the best part was when a pass got batted. And yes. they, they talked about that. You know, uh, that was the best part. The, the Manning's questions were kind of whatever. But I like the Manning cast a lot. But really, the Manning cast to me is at its best when it's just Peyton and Eli just talking. Um, and, I, I mean, there was, there was also the fun – I guess it's also been done, but the Mac Jones, Joe Burrow pictures side by side. To me, that was also funny. And he's adding the the Eli small bucket sandcastle picture. I don't know. Like, it's just fun. You kind of want there to be more when they do an interview with a guy like Joe Burrow. But it's at its best when it's just the two Mannings talking. I think they like to get the guests so more people tune in. As you just said, you only tuned in for the Joe Burrow content. I was out after <laughs> so. that. I had to wake up to see who won the game. I was like, oh, who won? Oh, I didn't stay up to watch either. I mean, Kyler got hurt on like the first play, and yeah. I was like, this game's not going to go well. And it didn't for Arizona. Yeah, I still don't believe in the Patriots, but we'll get to kind of more of the playoff picture soon on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. But, yeah, I just had some thoughts on that. That's how I felt. Not the end of the world. Obviously, cool that Joe Burrow is on the Manning casting. He's on there with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Um, it you know, ended super awkwardly. Yeah, the whole bedtime thing. I that felt like they got a message or something, right? Like maybe not from the Bengals, but like ESPN maybe was even like, "Hey, end of the first quarter, wrap this up." But Burrow was like in the middle of talking, and they just kind of had to interrupt him and say, hey, you're "Off the bed," because it was hitting commercial break. And I was like, "Ooh, yeah. uh, that yeah. didn't end smoothly." I've that was maybe the worst ending I've seen on a yeah, they just gotta hit their rigs on time. But uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's cool. Joe Burrow's on it, but it's not anything that I feel like I need to go back and and rewatch. Um, speaking of rewatching, you're doing your best, man. You go back, you rewatch the tapes. Make sure you're following them on Twitter. Bengals underscore Sands. He has great breakdowns, clips from the game, offensively and defensively. This isn't our mailbag segment, but I did throw it out on social media because I want to hear what the fans want to hear you break down and we'll start with Colonel. He says, was this just a bad game for the offensive line against a good defensive front or should there, should we be a little concerned? Sorry. Uh, fiance is moving some stuff on the other part of the room. Uh, sorry. What was the question? I get distracted. He, he wants to just know how you felt really about the offensive line against this defensive front. Oh, uh, I, I feel like the offensive line pl- did a good job run blocking. Um, anytime you get running back up to seven yards per carry, you had a pretty good day at the office. And they didn't do a great job early on, but I also think that Mixon was playing good, not great early on, taking what was there but nothing more. And then he started taking more, being the guy that everybody hopes he could be. Uh, pass protection was a different story. I thought the pass protection was very mitigated by Joe Burrow. I think that. There are a few guys losing across the board. It was a little bit of the usual suspect in Wall Collins not being able to hold up more than two, two and a half seconds. But there was also the issue of Miles Garrett. And I think at times Jonah Williams held his own, but there hasn't been a guy that's held his own truly against Miles Garrett that I've seen. Uh, maybe last year, Laramie Tunsil. You could argue he did an okay job, but he was even losing a rep or two here or there. He's just an alien. He's a dude that's going to win reps. So you have that. And uh, I thought Volson played okay. Kappa had an uncharacteristically not great game. And Ted Karras had a good game. But he also didn't get 
tested that much in pass protection. I think he did a good job of what he was asked, but it's not like they had some butt-kicking nose tackle that went head up over him the entire game. Yeah, I, I kind of want to um, go to the thrills because this was brought up, and there, there are two things that I've actually, you know, I thought a little bit about from the Kansas City Chiefs game to the touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. And Jeffrey Smith wants to know, was it a better throw from Joe for the Jamar TD catch, or was it the third and 11 throw to T. Higgins? Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say the throw to Jamar. I think it was. 100%. Yeah, I think it was a tighter window. I think it was uh, pretty insane, and it showed off his improvements in arm strength. I don't know if that throw gets made his rookie year, but he he always plays with his anticipation. That's at a high level. Plays with you know on perfectly on time right now, and just rips that ball and didn't look like the whole arm strength issue to me on that one. He's able to drive it with some force and fit it in there into a real tight window. They played single high coverage on that, but the safety just played basically over Jamar Chase to give almost like a pseudo double team of sorts. Denzel Ward's in man coverage with them. He beats Ward and Burrow's able to fit it right in between them. And that's hard to do. And Chase said, didn't see it till what the last five yards or so. You can see him adjust in real time. Yeah. Last second. Going, Ooh. <laughs> you know, I mean, if it was, let, I mean, just a second, that, that ball's not landing in Chase's hands, but he just it, great ball by Joe. And, and just obviously Jamar Chase is amazing at what he does. And, and Joe Burrow, you know, credited him on the meeting cast of just how intelligent Jamar is his football IQ. And you hear that about Joe too. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I want to go to the third and 11 play. Um, you know, did talk to T Higgins about that today. And what's funny about it all is he's like, I thought we were running the ball. He thought for sure that they would just be running the ball on third and 11. There was no way they were going to throw it. And Joe told them in the huddle, nope, we're going for the first down. And uh, that's what ended the game. So obviously just great all around play. That played pretty insane when you consider it was also tight coverage. Um, and it fit over the hand, you know, that I think you could argue he's getting pressure on that play. He takes a hit right after. So maybe that's why you could argue. And also it's probably slightly more important to put the chiefs away than it was to just score the first touchdown against the Browns. But uh, as a pure throw, I think what he did to chase was better. Clay wants to know our guy, Cam Taylor Britt, 
We saw him take a big leap last week, and I'd just love to hear more about Cam Taylor Britt and what we've seen from him in his, his NFL starts. Yeah, I actually consider this game to be a little bit of a bounce-back game uh, because he started off not great. I think they picked on him a little bit early. The Browns' early uh, strategy seemed to be let's throw and run plays to get that rookie corner one-on-one or confused, and it worked for the first series of plays or so but he bounced back and when everything mattered the most the final drive of the game well second to last drive but that last drive they were dead in water but this drive they had some life early fourth quarter and he gets tested three times first he makes a run stop on a first down but then he gets tested three times through the air once the Browns hit the red zone. The first was about from the 20. I think it was a first down. They threw it left sideline deep down the field, and he almost makes a pick on the play. He's one-on-one with Amari Cooper, and he's in perfect position. Cooper has to play a little bit of defensive back and get the ball out of there. But uh, that was really high-level stuff. Then, because that's their best receiver, too. Then later on, second and or third and goal, uh, they tried to get Cooper on a slant against him. He does a really good job. He's playing inside leverage, and eventually Cooper wins, but he forces Cooper to go up high and around that way. So Cooper is forced to the back of the end zone. He's also right in his hip, which forces a high throw too. And it's just you need the perfect throw, perfect catch to be able to make that play. And that may not be immaculate coverage, but it's very good to great coverage to try to force – perfect throws to beat you that's that's not sustainable for an offense and then the last one was the goal line fade to donald people's jones who is big and you know this is actually an area that came to the brit has struggled with throughout the year you could think of the terrace marshall catch you could think of the Traylon burks catch this time he, he he gets beat at the line a little bit but it's you know thrown with some loft he recovers plays through people's jones's hands throws him to the ground pass breakup on fourth down and that just that not only did that end the Browns chances in this game it ended their season because they're not coming back from being this far down and uh credit to him he had he had a real nice game in my opinion I think PFF didn't said this was one of his worst games and uh I just think that's one of the flaws in PFF because it doesn't it treats every play as a vacuum the exact same doesn't consider the opponent it yeah there's just plenty of issues with it and i just think that when you have a drive like the last drive that cam taylor put together where he's tested repeatedly and he steps up and wins all of those challenges that moves you up so much in my mind and that's why i think the players are saying breakout game because he stepped up and when they needed him the most he was there he put the browns out of their misery and I don't know if Pro Football Focus cares, but that's that's why I think everybody is saying he had such a good game, including me. I want to say this about Pro Football Focus. I promise not to be, you know, throwing anything their way because I know that they work really hard. Uh, but I don't take too much into the grades anymore. Yeah, I, I I never really have. I just prefer to watch on my own. Um, yeah. But I feel like they get like they're a monopoly. They're the only ones that do it. So they get taken. They can say what they want and we have to go by. And if they give a 91 to Joe Burrow, we're like, great. Joe Burrow got a 91. And it's just, it's one of those things that you retweet them when you love it. And then when they don't like, it's not a great, great. I'm just like, Oh, okay. I just think there's a lot of times it doesn't match with what I looked at. You know, it's just like, I need a good explanation here because what I'm 
see him with my eyeballs isn't matching up with the number that is getting thrown out by the grading system. And I know the NFL teams pay pro football focus, but I don't think it's for the grades. I don't think they're just paying to see those grades. They're paying for stuff that we don't see some, uh, you know, some charting, some advanced analytics stuff. You know, there's, there's stuff in there that, you know, we don't talk about with pro football focus that they do. They're not paying going like, all right, we got to scout the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's see who's good on this team. Who's got above an 80. Now they're going to check that out themselves. Do you think it's like that with the offensive line grades? Because I feel like that's where we see it more. I I think people don't love trying to learn about offensive line play. So they just go, oh, I like the pro football focus offensive line grades. And I don't agree. <laughs> like, like David Quesenberry was the number one offensive tackle for them last year. I think most people are saying who. He was the Tennessee Titans right tackle. And if you're trying to remember any play that guy made in the Bengals two games against or in Bengals game against them, you probably don't uh, because he was whatever. And then the NFL teams that are paying pro football focus, they didn't pay him like he's the number one offensive tackle in the entire NFL. He got paid as a swing tackle. He's been a swing tackle for Buffalo, only stepping in when either Spencer Brown or Deion Dawkins has been hurt. That's that's how much uh, you know. That's how much they care about these grades to say that you know. Oh, the best tackle in the in the NFL. Let's give him two million dollars, oh <laughs> and God. it works. They're getting these guys paid credit to them. Uh, but, but honestly, you know, all, all local fans know, I, I say this all the time when it comes to coverage, make sure you're following your local people that cover the team. And then when you think of film breakdown, there are plenty of great people in the Bengals circle, including Bengals underscore sand. So, you know, follow, follow, follow the people who, who watch this team day in and day out. And, um, there are plenty of good follows on Twitter. It doesn't have to be, you know, the national stuff, um, to just, here, good grades on your team. But we have plenty more to talk about. We didn't even get to DJ Reader, who we love on this podcast next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.